All right, moving forward and our look at Matthew's Gospel. Just thankful for this study. It's been very good for me. Last week we talked about the prophecy concerning Jesus' ministry. And we read in Matthew chapter 4, when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he withdrew to Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He went to live in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali. To fill what was said through the prophet, land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. I don't know where you come from uh, necessarily this morning, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. could be you're in darkness. As Matthew writes this gospel, he recognizes that there are people who are living in spiritual darkness. And friends, the only light that will break through that darkness is the light of Jesus Christ. Amen. And my prayer for you is that if you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that today will move you closer to that. That God's Spirit will work in your heart. The same God who said, let there be light, the beginning of creation, will say, let there be light in your heart. And the light of Jesus Christ will break through and shine. He continued, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. The call of Christ is the call to repentance. John the Baptist had the same message as Jesus, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. When God calls us to repent, he's calling us out of darkness into his glorious light from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the son that he loves. Repentance is God's turning you towards his great love into his presence, a life of holiness a life of purpose, and that's what we want for you this morning. Well, today as we look at Jesus embarking out on his ministry, he's going to gather uh, some men to help him in the ministry. You guys are familiar with uh, the disciples who follow him, the apostles, as they will be called. And so today, the point of the message really is this, faithful followers fish. See if you can say that ten times or five times fast, faithful followers fish. We see this in Matthew 4, 18 through 21. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We ask, as we've just sung, that you would speak, O Lord. Um, Father, please speak into our hearts this morning. Your Holy Spirit knows exactly how we need to be changed. I pray that you would transform us for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Faithful followers of Jesus Christ fish for other followers. Let's read the text this morning. Matthew chapter 4, 18 through 20. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come and follow me, Jesus said. Now, at this point, I just have to say the NIV, which is what we use, just does a bad job of translating. They're trying to make it, you know, okay, you know, we're going to make it more gender neutral kind of thing. And they just kind of flatten it out, okay? And so I'm going to give you the Greek right there um, in yellow. I will make you fishermen of men. That's exactly the way, what it says. I will make you fishermen of men. Or as you learned as a, as a kid in the song, I will make you fishers of men. At once, that's important, at once they left their nets and followed him. Going from there, he saw two other brothers, James Son of Zebedee and his brother John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee preparing their nets. Jesus called them, 
And immediately they left their boat and their father and they followed him. So as we walk through this text, verse by verse, I have broken it up into three points because I'm a Baptist pastor and we just do things in threes. That's exactly what we do. Three points here. Call, cost, and commonality. Call, cost, and commonality. Don't let that last word throw you off. I'll explain that when we get there. So the first thing we'll look at is the call. And I've divided the call up into two points. The character of the call. What is this call? Okay, what does it involve? And the character of those who are called. Who is Jesus calling? And we see two things in the character of a call. We see the character of the call involves following Jesus and fishing for Jesus. Following Jesus and fishing for Jesus. It's real easy to see this concept of following Jesus. He says, come and follow me. And what? They followed him. Jesus called them. He said, come, follow me. And they followed him. Jesus is calling these men to follow him. Following Jesus is the essence of salvation. Really, it is the essence of salvation. As we look at this call, what Jesus is really doing is he's calling them to be disciples. We see this term all the time. It means learner. It means student. It means follower. Those who wanted to be a disciple, typically they would try to find the most learned scholar and they would seek to follow him. They would go and do what they needed to do to to follow this teacher. Jesus, on the other hand, he is calling. He is choosing those who would be the disciples. And the role of the disciple was to follow the teacher and to imitate the teacher to learn what the teacher had to teach, and then to live what the teacher taught. So as we look at this call, this following, Jesus is saying, follow me. He's calling them to follow him. He's calling them to be a disciple. He is, in essence, calling them to salvation. It's interesting, as we look at this text, and we'll mention in a minute, you know, the other disciples in, in John's gospel, um, but, but really, there's an incident that occurs in Luke chapter 5. And in Luke chapter 5, Peter has already met Jesus uh, because of his brother Andrew. And, and Peter's out fishing one night. You guys are familiar with He's fishing all night long, and he doesn't catch anything. And Jesus is throwing it on the other side of the boat. They're like, oh, dude, we've been fishing all night long. Come on, I'm tired. I want to go home and eat. They do it anyway, right? And they cast their nets, and there's so many fish. There's so many fish in the nets, they can't even pull the nets in. And after that happens, Peter realizes who's standing before him. He says, depart from me. I am a sinner. Peter realizes who Jesus Christ is. And I think for the disciples, as we look at this call to salvation, their salvation experience, if you will, it's kind of a, it's a growing understanding of, of who the Messiah is, of who Jesus Christ is. And at some point, we don't know when, they place their faith in Jesus Christ such that they are going to follow him even to the point of death. And so Jesus' call is a call to follow, and it's a call to fish. As we look at this call to follow and this this call to be a disciple, it's it's interesting that, um, uh, you know, I think in Christianity we have two different tiers. Like we we see there's there's people who are Christians, right? There's people who go to church and and they're Christians, then they're going to go to heaven, Right, And then there's people who are really committed Christians, like they're the ones who carry their Bible around a lot. They're the ones who are quoting Bible verses, and they're the ones that sometimes you want to avoid because they're going to tell you about Jesus when you see them, or there's this two-tier Christianity. There's all these people are saved, right? 
But there's some people that are really serious about being disciples. And friends, that is foreign to Scripture. As we look at Scripture, you're either a follower of Jesus Christ or you're not. You're either obeying his teachings or you're not. And as we see in this text, you're either fishing for men or you're not. There is no division according to the word of God. This commentator says this. He says, the common teaching is that a Christian is someone who by faith accepts Jesus as Savior. And that that is true. Receives eternal life and is safe and secure in the family of God. A disciple is, is more serious and active in the practice of the spiritual disciplines and engaged in evangelizing and training others. This commentator says this. He says, but I must be blunt. I find no biblical evidence for a separation of Christian from disciple. You're either following Jesus Christ or you're not. There is no two-tier Christianity. Jesus lays out salvation in the Gospels very simply. We look at Matthew's Gospel, Mark, and Luke. And it's interesting how those, those Gospels are set up. But in each one of those, three different times, Jesus makes it clear I am going to be handed over to the authorities. I am going to suffer. I am going to die. I am going to rise from the dead. And oh yeah, by the way, if you want to be my follower, the same thing may happen to you. You don't have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. That is the cost of discipleship. That is salvation according to Jesus Christ. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever wants to lose their life, I'm sorry, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And then he goes on and says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The cost of discipleship is high. When Jesus says, says deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me, um, the cross isn't, you know, a bad job. The cross isn't a bad health problem. The cross isn't a bad relationship, right? Yeah, that's your cross. No, what's in view here is a brutal death because you believe that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and he is the only way of salvation. That's what's in view here. And the expectation is that you're going to follow him. It's an argument of the greater to the lesser. If you're saying, I will follow Jesus Christ to death, that means you're willing to do everything less than that. So the demand is high. That's Jesus' call to salvation right there. He doesn't say, let me go through the Romans road with you. Hey, would you like to know how you can be sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die one day? No, he says, deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. So the character of the call is to follow Jesus, and it's to fish for Jesus, right? He says, come and follow me, and I will make you fishermen of men. The call of Jesus requires that we carry out the task of fishing for other disciples, right? Again, that two-tier Christianity, you know, there's, you know, I've, I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ, you know, and I... I joined the church, I've been baptized, and it's, it's kind of good enough for me. And then there's those professional Jesus followers, those ones who go out and tell people about Jesus and plead with people to turn from sin, repent, because God wants you to be in his family. Turn, your faith, turn and place your faith in Jesus Christ. That's fishing. There's, there's two different 
two different kinds of Christians. And what Jesus is saying here is, follow me, become a Christian, follow me, you know, enter into salvation. And by the way, that includes telling people about Jesus Christ. I don't know how else to read this. And so, I guess the question is this, is does a person possess saving faith if they do not have a desire to fish for other followers of Jesus Christ? You have to ask yourself that. If you have no desire to tell anybody about Jesus Christ, you need to ask yourself, has there been a heart transformation? I love the example of John chapter 4. The woman at the well with Jesus Christ. And she has this interaction with Jesus where she comes to the realization that this man is the Messiah. He is the Messiah. What's the first thing she does? She runs off and tells everybody about Jesus Christ such that they have to stay there for a while and Samaritans come to faith in Jesus Christ. I'm I'm not espousing a works-based salvation. I am trying to ask, I want you to think through this and ask yourself, do I have a desire to tell anybody about Jesus Christ? Or maybe you're a Christian and you do, but you're not living as you should, so you feel kind of like, who am I to tell anybody about Jesus? That's, that's another issue. So we see this character of the call. Follow fish. Now we see the character of the call. Those who Jesus is calling, right? It's pretty clear here. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. If we go to John's gospel, we understand that, that there are interactions between Jesus and his followers prior to that moment when he actually calls them to follow him. So if you're to go back to John chapter 1, you don't need to go there right now. You can see that Andrew has an interaction with Jesus, and then he goes and gets Peter. And so this is sometime after that. This is the call. So we see Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew, and then we see James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and we know that up to this point in John chapter 1, that both Philip and Nathaniel have been called and started following Jesus as well. So we see these men, we see their names, we're not going to go into them personally right now, but what's their characteristic as we look at this text? We say they're ordinary. Really, they're just ordinary fishermen. They're Jewish, okay? And we know that they're looking for the Messiah because when Andrew comes to Simon Peter, he says, we found the Messiah. So there's this mindset of we're constantly waiting for and looking towards the Messiah. And we also see definitely that they are obedient, right? Because they follow. But if you were to look at the Gospels, in Matthew's Gospel, and I'm not listing Scripture verses next to these, but as you think through your understanding of the Gospels, you probably would agree with me The other characteristics of these followers might be some of these. They're ordinary obedient. They're fearful. They're inhospitable. Obtuse. Look that one up. Impatient. They're ethnocentric. Should we call fire down from heaven? Destroy these Samaritans? Angry. They're violent. They're rude. Proud. Ambitious. Fleshly. Disloyal. Etc. These would all characterize those that Jesus is calling. These ordinary people with ordinary sin struggles, just like you and me. They were definitely obedient, right? Immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. That's the character of the called. The call is follow, fish. The character of those who are called, they're ordinary 
and obedient, just like you and I. Sometimes we read the Bible and we think, I'm just not like those people. They're so much different than I. You know, when we read the Bible and we look at the characters in the Bible, we have to understand that we're seeing slices of their life. We're not seeing the ordinary humdrum day-to-day existence that characterizes most of their life and the same struggles that they have as, as they are growing in their faith. We see these tremendous moments and we forget that they are ordinary people. God uses ordinary people and by his power he does what? Extraordinary things. So we see the call and then we see the cost. We see the cost We learn quickly in this text that following Jesus will cost you your life, right? Their life as they know it is going to change forever, right? Just in a practical sense, their life is is changing forever. I've already gone through the cost that Jesus places before them. They need to deny themselves. Their life is going to change. Take up their cross and follow me. This concept of denying ourselves, as we consider Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and what they were doing in denying themselves, what does that mean, Pastor David? Because ultimately, you're calling me to do the same thing that they've done. You're calling me to follow Jesus. And you're saying the essence of salvation is that I am willing to deny myself and take up my cross and follow Jesus. And begs the question, what does it mean? What does it mean to deny yourself? I think for most of us, when we think of denial, we think of, you know, I'm cutting the carbs. Lowering the coffee intake, whatever. Denying yourself, and I don't know where I got this from, guys. I'm sorry. I didn't write down who I got this quote from. This is what denial means. This is the cost. Denying yourself means that everything we have, relationships, possessions, career, job, vocation, time, etc., is totally at Jesus' disposal for purposes that please him, and that it must never get in the way of radical, that those things must never get in the way of radical obedience to his command to follow and all that, that entails. It means that everything is Jesus. Everything is subservient. Everything serves the call of Jesus Christ for you to be his disciple and for you to make fishers of men. That's what denying yourself is. I mean, some of us, when we think of denial, we think of what we think of like this ascetic lifestyle. It's like, you know, you, you live in a box, you know, and you have very Spartan existence. You have very few things, right? To be an ascetic is to practice strict self-denial as a measure of personal and spiritual discipline, right? It's, it's, I mean, that could be it at times, right? I'm sure sometimes Paul, that's the way he lived his life, and we see that in the book of Acts, in 2 Corinthians. But Jesus is not calling for an ascetic lifestyle. He's not saying that you can't have a nice car. He's not saying that you can't have a nice house. He's not saying that you, you, you can't have an, an iPhone. He's not saying you can't have a great marriage. He's not saying that you can't have a hobby, like you know, whatever you like to do, playing golf. He's not saying you can have those things. What he's saying is that every, every millisecond of your existence belongs to Jesus, and ultimately it's his to serve for his purpose of, of, of the plan of redemption, of you living as a disciple. Everything you have. Jesus isn't he's not against you having things, but you've got to have it with open hands, knowing that its purpose ultimately is for Jesus Christ. So we're not saying don't have just for the sake of not having, denying for the sake of denying. Right? Denying means everything is totally at Jesus' disposal. I want you to ask yourself right now, 
is, are your most important relationships at Jesus' disposal? If Jesus says you need to let go or change that relationship, are you willing to do that for Jesus? If Jesus, if Jesus were to say, you know what, you need to move, you need to, to sell your house and move for me, are you willing to do that? Everything needs to be at his disposal. That's what it means to deny ourselves. Well, Jesus' call came with a cost. And the first cost that I see is that your work serves Jesus' call to follow him and fish for followers. And Jesus is like, you're, it's okay to have work, but your work needs to be ultimately for the purpose of him. And if he calls you to give up that work, then you've got to give up that work. There's a cost to following Jesus Christ. He says, your wealth serves Jesus' call to follow him and fish for followers. Right? So the disciples, they have a, a, a pretty good business going. Right? I think most commentators would say they're in the lower class, but they're in the upper lower class. They had a steady income at that time being fishermen. They, they didn't have to worry about food, obviously. They had some wealth. But when Jesus calls them and they follow him, they left their nets, right? They left their, their boat to follow him. Now, we know later on in the Gospel of John, and, and even in Matthew, that, that they, there was a time when they went back to fishing, right? They, they did go back and fish, right? When Jesus sees them at the end of John's Gospel, they're out of the boat fishing. But while Jesus, was, while Jesus was on earth doing his ministry and as they were following him, they gave that up for the purpose of discipleship. And so work serves Jesus, our wealth serves Jesus. So often we think of following Christ, we think about giving up wealth. If I have to change jobs to follow Christ, what does that mean? I won't make it. Remember, Jesus said, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? The last cost we see is that they gave up relationships, right? They had to leave their parents. They had to leave their familial structure. They had to, you know, in the case of Peter, leave his wife for a while, perhaps. But there was this rupturing of familial relationships so that they could follow Jesus Christ, so that they could have Jesus make them into fishers of men, so they could watch Jesus catch fish, so they could learn to fish like Jesus, so they could hear the words of Jesus. They had to sacrifice and give up, and there was a cost. But Jesus says, it will be worth it. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not take up, does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, that's such that person cannot be my disciple. Because I know those, those family relationships are important to you. And it's not wrong to have family relationships. Families are a gift from God. He's not saying hate your father and hate your mother like this visceral hate. He's saying you need to choose what's most important. There may be, there may be a time when you have to say, Mom and Dad, I love you. I know that you have this vision of my life. I know that you want me to do this, but I've been praying and Jesus has been speaking through his word and I sense that I've got to go in this direction. I have to leave you to follow Jesus. And it's painful. But Jesus has told me, if I'm not willing to give up my relationship 
with you the way it is now to follow him, then I can't be his disciple. And so we do a cost-benefit analysis of following Jesus, right? I've made it pretty hard, right? Like, who wants to follow Jesus now? That sounds all very difficult. But there are plenty of blessings of following Jesus. There is great joy in the journey as we choose to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. As we make that decision to, to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus, God says, look, I'm invested in that. I'm going to come and live within you. I'm going to cause you to be born again. You're going to have a new heart. You're forgiven. Your guilt and your shame are removed. You are completely robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ as you are justified. You are adopted into the family. I know you're leaving that family, but you're being adopted into the family of God. I'm going to hear your prayers. I'm going to answer your prayers. You're no longer a slave to sin. You have a God-given purpose. You are transformed. You are not defined by your sin. You no longer fear death. You are a co-heir with Jesus Christ. You will reign with him in the millennial kingdom for a thousand years, and you will be welcomed into heaven. Are those not amazing blessings? So yeah, there is a huge cost to following Jesus. You have to deny yourself, make every bit of your existence subservient to the call of Jesus Christ, but there are huge benefits. And Jesus says this, he says, truly I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present home, present age. Homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children and fields. Oh yeah, along with persecutions, and in the age to come. Jesus promises blessing. I'm not being health, wealth, and prosperity right now. I'm just saying, this is what Jesus says. But you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus. Well, okay, Jay, that was then. That was the disciples. I know you say they were ordinary people. They were obedient, but still. That's Peter. That's James. That's John. That's Andrew. That's Nathaniel. That's Philip. That's you know, on and on. It's not me. But there is, I tell you, a commonality, and that's the last point. There is something in common between the call that Jesus made then and the call that he's making now. That word commonality simply means possession of similar features or attributes. Right? Things shared in common. Like, like, what is there in common between you and I now in Hamtramck and the 21st century? Like, what's the same now as, as back then when Jesus was calling his followers? What things are the same? The call to follow is a common call. The call to follow is a common call. Well, you might say, well, I'm not so sure about that. Really, Pastor Jay? Come on. You can talk nonstop. You sound like you know what you're talking about, but I'm just not so sure about that, Pastor Jay. Well, at the end of Matthew's gospel, it's interesting. It, it, you know, he says, Jesus, at the beginning, in, in Matthew chapter 4, I want you to follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Before Jesus is ascends into heaven, after his resurrection, before he ascends into heaven, he tells the group of people around you, essentially, I want you to go and fish for disciples of Jesus Christ. It's known as the great fishing trip or the great commission. He says, 
Matthew 28 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and fish for other disciples. What's being said here? Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's the kind of fishing partner I want, right? The kind of fishing partner you want. That's the common call. You don't get an out. And there's not a two-tier Christianity. There's not, okay, there's me, you know, and I've had a, I've had a hard life, and, and, and I've been through some things, and I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ. But since I've had a hard life, God, you have to understand the call that you gave them is not the same call for me because things have been hard for me. So I get a pass on fishing for other followers of Jesus Christ. I get a pass on Jesus' command to make disciples of all nations. And that's, that's a lie from hell. Really? Oh, because things have happened to you in the past, you, you have to live a second-rate life as a Christian. No, there's a common call. Go and make disciples of all nations. All disciples fish. Again, there is no two-tier Christianity. I must be blunt. I find no biblical evidence for a separation of a Christian from a disciple. Well, again, I'm not Andrew. I'm not Peter. I'm not James. I'm not John. In fact, I mean, really... I mean, people from Hamtramck, we're real nobodies, right? Hamtramck, it's hardly its own city. I mean, the city in the, in the middle of the city. Who are we? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just a nobody. I am nobody. Would you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you? It's kind of changed. You're not a nobody anymore. You're creating the image of God. You're not a nobody. You have a purpose given to you by God. You're not a nobody. But Paul, as he, Paul was talking to people who thought they were somebodies. He wrote to this church in Corinth, and they thought they were hot stuff. Fancy church. They had all the, they had the, the lights going. They had the big praise band. You know, they had all the electronics going. They were this big church, Corinth. And they thought they were somebodies. And Paul says this. He says, brothers and sisters, I want you to think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But who did God choose? Okay, you're saying, oh, that's the call to salvation. It's one and the same, friends. Okay. He says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to change the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things, the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. See, God specializes in taking the ordinary to do extraordinary things. You know why? Because he gets the glory. He gets the glory. Well, I just don't have what it takes. Okay. God called me, but I just, I don't, I'm not good, I just don't, I don't have it. I just don't have it. The Apostle Paul, who studied under the brightest scholars, right, he went to the best Jewish seminaries, he had a head full of knowledge about the Old Testament. The Apostle Paul, in his ministry, the Apostle Paul 
saw the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. The moment he placed his faith in Jesus Christ, was, Christ was there. What a conversion experience. The Apostle Paul says this. He says, and who is equal to such task? He says, such confidence we have what? Through Christ. Remember the Great Commission? I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. I've been given all authority. I am with you. Your, God's Spirit is living in you. And Paul says, not that we are competent in ourselves. That word competent means enough. You ever feel like you just don't have enough? Like, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I don't know enough. And Paul says, look, that's how I feel. It's not me, it's Christ. Right? When we focus on ourselves, our world becomes small and our words become small. And, and what we accomplish is small because we're focused on us as small people. But Paul's saying, no, it's from Christ. He says, with such confidence we have through Christ Jesus, our Lord. He says, such confidence we have through Christ. He says, our confidence comes from God. He has made us competent. We're not competent in ourselves. So if you feel like you're not enough, you don't have what it takes to be a fisher of men. You're right. You're right where God wants you to be. Because in that, God is glorified. Paul says, Jesus says to Paul, he says, My grace is sufficient for you. My power is perfected in your weakness. It's the power of Christ living in you. Okay, 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 where do I start? Where do I start? I've got your arm behind you. Where do we start? Here's where you start. Come and follow Jesus. Come and follow Jesus. Because what does he say? Come and follow, come follow me because you guys are already good fishermen. You guys already know what you're doing. You're already competent. You seem like you have it down. You've got really good char- uh, charisma, Peter. You've got what it takes. You're a fisherman. Now he says, I will make you a fisher of men. We have to be made into it. It's a process. That's where you start. It starts by making a decision that you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you're fed up with mediocre Christianity, that you're tired of just, just you know, I am held captive. I'm a prisoner to my past. I, I, what I'm going to be in the future is totally determined to my past. I just never, no, you have to say, no, it's Jesus I am going to deny myself, I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to follow the one who's going to make me a fisher of men because he has promised to come live within me. My competency will come from him. That's where it starts. Because faithful followers of Jesus Christ fish for other followers. There is no two-tier Christianity. Real quickly, if you haven't been here before, this is where we end, points to ponder. Well, Jay, what you're saying is overwhelming to me, right? Right now, as I sit here this morning, my life is so overwhelming, I can't imagine even beginning what you're talking about. Jesus understands that, right? Jesus understands where you are. You think it's lost on Jesus, what you're going through in your life right now? Yes, Jesus has called you to be a disciple. Yes, he's called you to be a fisherman. But do you think it somehow escapes him that your life is really hard right now? That's why Jesus says, come. He calls. He calls you. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. 
and learn from me. Learn. I'll make you a fisher of men. Learn from me. I am gentle. I am humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Jesus says, come. I'm not calling you into something that's going to make you miserable. It may be hard for a while. I'm calling you into eternal joy. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, Jay, I'm really struggling with this. I made this statement. Does a person possess saving faith if they do not have a desire to fish for other followers of Jesus Christ? And all I can do is lean on the words of Jesus. Follow me. What does following me mean? It means fishing for me. So you need to examine yourself. Examine your heart. Jesus says, come. I will make you a fisher of men. Last point. I haven't been following Jesus the way I know I should, right? Maybe at some point you made a decision in your life. I am going to follow Jesus Christ to death. I am going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ until I die. And, and the world has gotten a hold of your thoughts and your attention and your affections. And, and you've gone off the path. You're not following Jesus the way you should. And I'm so thankful we serve a merciful Savior who understands us. All you need to do is confess your sin. Repent. That's the message of Jesus. Repent because the Lord's great love were not consumed. His compassions never fail. His mercies are new every morning. If you have gotten into the mindset of this two-tier Christianity or if you have wandered off into sin and you're not telling people about Jesus because you're too ashamed to tell people about Jesus, just turn to Jesus. He says, come, come to me. Ask for forgiveness. His mercies are new every morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the call that you've given us, the call to join you in your plan of redemption and fishing for, for disciples of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would work it in us as, as a church, Lord, that we would take that call seriously, that we wouldn't deviate from that. Lord, please help us to stay faithful to the call of being a true follower of Jesus Christ. Father, if there's anybody here this morning that's living in darkness, Lord, I pray that the light of Jesus Christ would dawn in their hearts, that they would place their faith in Jesus Christ. And Father, if there are those here this morning that have strayed from your path, who aren't following Jesus as they should, Lord, please manifest your mercy in their life. Turn them to repentance. Cause them to seek forgiveness. Father, please work in us as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.